Well, welcome again. It is good to be together. It's good to experience God's presence together. And uh, if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. Uh, we don't believe you're here by an accident. Uh, we have prayed for you, and uh, we believe that the Lord has brought you here, and we're so glad. Uh, and my prayer is that those of us who've been here for 50 years and those of us that are here for the very first time uh, would experience uh, God's presence, uh, would be drawn in, and we would hear from the Lord today. And so thankful for those of you who are watching online. We know that uh, many of you, uh, hopefully you're even getting to experience our new online platform this morning, but we know many of you will, will watch online before you ever come into this place. And so we hope that uh, you experience God's blessings today and we look forward to getting to know you and you being able to be with us in person. Uh, we are in the very end, the final message of a series that we've just been talking about God's these prayers that God gives us in Scripture, that when we pray them, there's kind of a guaranteed yes, and, and we know that it is that because uh, Scripture tells us, hey, pray these things, and God tells us, Jesus tells us, uh, God's Word tells us to pray these things, and so we've been looking at this, and it sounds a little presumptuous to say, you know, hey, prayers God always answers, uh, and uh, but the thing is, is when we know God's word in John 15, 7, it says, but if you remain in me, Jesus says, and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And so there is this understanding that, hey, if we're praying the words that Jesus tells us to pray, the words that God's word tells us to pray, um, that we can have the confidence that God's going to be faithful in answering these prayers. And so uh, four weeks ago, we kind of kicked this off. Uh, Dr. David Busick, our general superintendent, really taught us on intercession and how we can intercede on behalf of others and uh, not just the importance of it, but the, the practicality of how we can intercede better for others. And we've talked about this prayer for the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And we know that when we pray that prayer, God wants to give us. He's a good father. And uh, Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask, it, ask for it? And so we just need to keep on asking. We need to keep on knocking. We need to keep on saying, Lord, fill me. And last week, we talked about uh, this idea of praying to the Lord of the harvest so that he would send workers out into the field. And, and the reality is, as we said last week, is we need to pray that prayer. And when we do, God will say yes, but then he will ask us to say yes. And he will probably help us be the answer to our own prayer and be those workers that go out into the field. And my prayer is that uh, God has used you this week in some way. Uh, but before we jump in to what we're talking about today and these two prayers that are so important, I want to uh, just highlight the fact that next week we are starting back in the book of Revelation. And this this book is probably the most confused book in all of Scripture, um, and there are so many people that look at the book of Revelation and say, oh, I'm not reading that, you know, that, that scares me, and it's doom and gloom, and it's confusing, and it's full of all these symbols, and, and, and we just, it's been so, um, it, it's been so contrived and, and brought to us in our day today that it's a scary book, and it's a doom and gloom book. And I'm just telling you, uh, that is not the intent of this book. Uh, the book of Revelation was given to the church by God as a gift 
to bring hope in the midst of despair, to bring encouragement in the midst of difficult times. And if we read the book of Revelation through any other set of lenses, we are reading it through the wrong set of lenses because it is a book of hope for God's people in the midst of terrible times. And so I'm just telling you, uh, we are in for a treat. If you've missed part one of this, you can always go back online and catch up. Uh, But next week, we're going to jump back in with uh, part two. And I just want you to watch this to just give you a little bit of a taste of what we're moving into. Watch this. There is a battle coming. The war has already begun. It has raged unseen for millennia. And though we often struggle to see the conflict for what it really is, all of us can feel its effects. We wrestle with the powers of sin and death on a daily basis. And sometimes, in our darkest moments, it can feel like we're losing. But the word of the Lord tells a different story. Hope echoes throughout the pages of scripture. Despite the mystery that surrounds it, the book of Revelation offers the people of God a clear message. Fear not tomorrow. Tomorrow is one. We can't hear that enough. Fear not tomorrow. For tomorrow is one. And I'm just telling you, uh, I am so excited about what I'm learning uh, and what God is doing in my heart as I uh, dive back into this and uh, just looking forward to sharing with you uh, the goodness and the hope and the encouragement, not the doom and gloom that is found in the book of Revelation. And so I hope you'll be here. I hope you'll invite someone. There's some invite cards and encourage you to take one, invite someone to join you. Uh, as we jump into this. Today, we're going to close this series out, and we're going to look at two prayers. The prayer, if you're taking notes, the prayer for wisdom in trials, and the prayer to resist temptation, for the ability to resist temptation. And so, uh, both of these are in the the book of James, chapter 1, and in Luke, chapter 20, uh, there's a one of these prayers, Jesus says, hey, pray this prayer. But uh, it all starts off in James chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. James is towards the end of the New Testament. Um, so if you hit Hebrews, keep on going. If you get to First and Second Peter, you went too far back up. Um, but uh, James chapter 1, and while you're turning there in your Bibles, uh, let me just tell you this. Um, Every single one of us are going through either a trial or a temptation or both. Uh, Certainly, I think when it comes to trials, there's just different kinds of trials that everybody's facing. In fact, if you're going through a trial in your life right now of any sort, raise your hand. I'll join you. Uh, So yeah, uh, there's a lot of trials, a lot of trials. Now, don't raise your hand for this, but how many of you are sitting next to that trial? (laughs) That'll get you in trouble. Don't, do not raise your hand for that. That will make the trial worse. Uh, I assure you, that will make the trial worse. (laughs) Um, So James chapter one, uh, verses one and two says this, um, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad, greeting. So he kind of starts off, he's like, hello. That's kind of what he's doing. But then like right after this really nice, hello, you know, hope everything is going well. He just 
jumps right into some heavy, heavy stuff. In verse 2, he just jumps in with, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it great joy. I mean, this is... This is a, a heavy topic. He just dives right in there and, and he says, hey, listen, you're, you're going to face trials. And, and when we face trials, uh, trials are different. We're going we're gonna to get to temptations, but temptations don't come from God. You need to know that. Temptations don't come from God. They come from Satan. They come from our own evil desires, uh, but they don't come from God. But trials... Oftentimes, God will allow us to go through trials to teach us some things. And because he is a good, good father, he wants us to be able to learn in the midst of trials. Um, and so, you know, before you think too badly of God, like, why, you know, first of all, not all trials does God uh, allow you to go through? Uh, sometimes, or sometimes it's not God that's initiating the trial, that it's your own, uh, your own choices that initiates a trial, it's your own lack of wisdom, but, but God will allow us to go through some trials so that we can learn and so that we can grow. Um, now, here's, here's the thing, because we don't like that. We think, oh man, why wouldn't he just make it easy for us? Um, but the reality is he'll let us go through trials because he's a good father. Now, if you're a parent, um, you know this. And if you're a kid, you know this. Every child has at some point woken up in, in the morning and said, I don't want to go to school. Like every child has done this, um, you know, unless they're like, I, I don't know, maybe they're out there. These like... They just love school. I was not one of them, so I don't understand that. But any, there were many times where I said that to my parents, I don't want to go to school. But you know what my parents said every time I said, I don't want to go to school? They said, no, get up, get dressed, you're going to school. And they made me go get an education. They made me make something better of myself. And it, at the time, it felt awful, right? But, but my parents were saying, I know what's best for you when you don't know what's best for you. Get up, you know, get dressed, you're going to school. And, and so like a good heavenly father that he is, our heavenly father says, I know you don't want to go to school sometimes. I know you don't want to get out of this trial. But listen, I, I know what's best for you and this is going to be good. And, and even though this is difficult... And even though this is hard, I need you to trust me and I want you to walk with me as you go through this difficult time. And so uh, when, when kids go to school, they get tested. And as they go through tests, tests reveal some things, right? Tests reveal, are you ready to go to the next grade? Tests reveal, have you mastered the material? And, and so we have to go through tests, and, and God is interested in us moving on to the next grade. And God is interested in us moving from where we are to where he wants us to be. God is interested more in our character than he is our comfort. And I know we don't like that. We're like, yeah, but God, I want you to care about my comfort more. I, you know, I, I really want you to care about my comfort. That's what I like, but God says, I'm more interested in your character than I am your comfort. He says, I'm, I'm more interested in your holiness than your happiness. I'm more interested in your holiness than your happiness. And I don't know about you, but I just, I want a little more happiness sometimes. I want a little bit more comfort sometimes. And, and God says, yeah, but what I care about is your character and your holiness. And, and so he allows us to go through trials. Proverbs 27, 21 says, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, 
but a person is tested by being praised. And so there are uh, lots of different ways that we can be tested. Um, One of those is even through praise. And um, the reality is, is through silver and gold are purified uh, through fire. And those, those impurities in the silver and gold, they rise to the top and you're able to skim them off. And so what God does is when we go through trials, when we go through tests, uh, it's almost like we're being purified and the impurities kind of float to the top and God is able to skim them off and make us more pure, make us more into his image. And so I want to give us four things to help us as we go through trials. So if you're a note taker, you're going to write these down. If you're not a note taker, you should become a note taker today. This is the day for you to become a note taker. Um, Number one, recognize what's really going on recognize what's really going on. The problem is that sometimes we get so focused on the difficulty or the trial or the challenge that we don't see what's behind it is a lesson that can be learned. So we're so focused on the difficulty, we're so focused on the hardship that we miss the greater point that we can learn even as we go through it. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, we've already read 2, but listen to 3. 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And listen to verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And that, this is, this is the point of every single test Every single trial that we go through is that we can grow in our endurance, we can grow in our character, and and some of us are actually trying to run away from the very school of character that God has given us to help us grow us up into who he wants us to be. And so we're going through a trial, we're going through a test, we're going through a difficulty, and, and our only focus is how can I get out of this as quickly as possible? How can I get out of this as quickly as possible? And God's saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm molding you and I'm shaping you, and, and this is actually going to be good for you. Don't try to escape the very thing that I'm giving to you as a gift to help you grow and become better. And so, um, number two, write this down in your notes. We need to cooperate with God's growth process. We need to cooperate with God's growth process because he's going to do it anyway. We might as well cooperate. He is a good, good father who's going to make us get out of bed and go to school. And so, if we have to get out of bed and go to school, we might as well cooperate in the process and learn and grow as we do this. And so James chapter one, verse four says, so let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So this is what you have prayed for. And you've said, Lord, I I want you to work in me in a greater way. I want you to to move in me, help me, shape me, mold me. I I want you to to make me more into your image. And we pray these prayers. And as we finish this 21 days of prayer and fasting, you've probably been praying, God, do something greater in my life. We pray, Lord, do something greater in our church. Do something more in our church. We, We want more of you. We're hungry for more of you. And God says, okay. And then he starts to give us trials. Because it's through trials that we grow and we're molded and we're shaped. And we go, no, 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 God, we don't like the trials. We don't like the trials. And, and we try to run away from the very thing that God has given us as a gift. 
The very thing that God has given us as a gift is an answer to our prayer. We're trying to hit the escape button from instead of saying, how can I be shaped and how can I be molded more into the image of Christ in this time? It's kind of the equivalent of you saying, you know, I want to make more money. And so you, you say, I want to make more money and you say, well, in order to make more money, I need to go to medical school. And so you have to go to medical school, and you make more money, you go to medical school, and what happens when you get to medical school? You got to take a whole bunch more tests. And, and this is just how it is. We say, God, I want more from you, and he says, okay, but there's going to be more tests for me to grow you in to so you can have more, and you can experience more, and you can be used in a greater way. And so we have to go through these tests. No pain, no gain is, is more than just workout metaphor. It's, it's sometimes a spiritual metaphor as well. And so uh, we, we want God to say, everything's going to be good and everything's going to be happy. And you're, you know, if, this is the American idea of what we want from, from God. I want to get saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. And he wants to make all my problems go away, my life happier um, and all, everything to just work out. Like, that's, that's what we want. Unfortunately, that's not in the Bible. Over and over and over in the Bible, we hear that there will be trials, there will be difficulties, there will be hardships, and the Bible actually teaches us that there can be good things that come from suffering. It's an American notion to avoid suffering at all costs. Scripture says good things can come out of suffering. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7 says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine, and it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through the many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The best thing in your life might actually come from some of your darkest moments. I want you to think about that. Think about the, the many times that uh, you, have, you have grown, you've had an explosion of spiritual growth where God has done something. Usually, those things happen in the difficult places of your life, when it's hardest. And we want to live on the mountaintops, but if you go up to Mount the top of Mount Everest or any other really, really high mountain peak, there is not lush gardens growing up on the top of those mountain peaks. The, the places that the harvest is plentiful is in the valleys. That's where the harvest grows. That, that's where the fruit is produced in the greatest places. And we don't want that. We want to be on the mountaintops. But there is growth that happens as we go through the valley. And, and we can learn in those things. So number three, write this down. We need to ask God for help. It's, it's like, okay, so we're, yeah, we got that. Move on. But how, how many times do we do everything under the sun before we finally like give up and say, okay, God, I need your help? How many times do we try 50 scenarios before we finally go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I need your help? Why don't we go to him first and ask for help? Listen to James chapter 1, verse 5. I love this. And this is the prayer, by the way. This is the prayer that God always answers right here in James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, 
Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. This is, this is not, you know, he might give you a... No, this is very clear in Scripture. If you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you. And so you should underline, in my Bible, I've got wisdom underlined. You should underline, you should circle wisdom. Because wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge that you already have. You already have a whole bunch of knowledge. The problem is you're not applying the knowledge you have. Wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge that you have. And so here's the prayer that you need to pray when you're going through a trial. When you're going through a hard time, when you're going through a difficulty, the prayer is not, Lord, get me out of this, 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 Lord, get me out of this. That's the prayer we pray. That's not the prayer that you should be praying. The prayer that you should be praying is, Lord, give me wisdom to learn what you want to teach me in the midst of this trial. Lord, give me wisdom to learn and grow in the way that you want me to learn and grow in the midst of this trial. And, and here's, here's the beautiful thing. You can actually short-circuit the trial if you will learn the lesson quicker. Because you're going through this trial to learn a lesson and for him to shape you and mold you. And if you would just quit trying to run away from the trial and quit trying to pray yourself out of the trial and just simply say, Lord, help me to learn what it is you're trying to teach me. And as soon as you learn the lesson, you can then get out of that trial. Uh, but you've got to learn the lesson so that you can grow past that place. And so we need to ask the Lord for help. We need to pray this prayer of wisdom so that he can shape us and mold us. And then number four, we need to keep a good attitude. Man, I, there's so much about a good attitude. Like, have you ever noticed if, if you have a good attitude, uh, it can make the worst situations better? Have you ever been with somebody who's just a doom and gloom person and like every time you're around them, it's just they suck the air out of the room and it, I mean, it, it's just depressing and... You, you, you get around somebody like that and you're in the middle of a hardship or a trial and there's somebody who's just constantly negative, negative, negative and pessimistic and just sucking the life out of the room. It just makes the trial so much worse. But have you ever been in a, in a hardship or a difficulty or trial and you've been around people that are just speaking life into you, encouraging you, building it? It's so much better. Your attitude changes everything and you get to pick your attitude. Like, this is just so important. You get to choose how you're going to tackle whatever it is. You're like, I know that I'm going to have a trial today, and I'm going to choose my thoughts in advance, and I'm going to just choose to think the best, and I'm going to choose to be optimistic, and I'm going to choose to believe the best. And you can either forecast doom and gloom, and then you can be pessimistic all the way, and then you might get there and find out it didn't happen. How many times have you done that? I've done that before, like, this is going to be so bad, this is going to, and then I dread it for like a whole week, and I'm just, it, it ruins the whole week, and then I get to it, and I go, oh, that wasn't that bad, and it's like, well, I just ruined a whole week for nothing, so why not just, man, this is going to be great, this is going to work out, this is going to be wonderful, God, God's going to somehow see this through, and you might get there, and it might not work out the way you wanted it to, but you at least didn't ruin a whole week for nothing building your way up to this point that you can't do anything about anyway. And so just choose to have a good attitude. I love how James says this in verses 6 to 8 after he says pray for wisdom. He says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty 
is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed in the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Now, faith and your attitude are different, okay? But there are some connecting points. Faith uh, can be this can-do attitude that I believe God can do this. I, I, but having faith in the Lord is just saying, I believe God's big enough to tackle this problem. I believe God's big enough to help me through this. I believe God's big enough to, to you know, solve whatever it is that needs to be solved. And that attitude and that faith in God just changes your perspective. It just changes your angle of how you begin to see things. James chapter 1, verse 12 says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. So you can actually be blessed for patiently enduring testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so we just need to know there are trials that we're going to face. And as we face those trials, we need to know that uh, we can pray for wisdom to grow in them, and God can help us and mature us. And as we go to school, it's not because God's bad. It's because he loves us, and he wants to make us more into his image. But then literally the next breath, James just jumps right into, hey, uh, and by the way, let me talk to you about temptations. And temptations are different than trials. Trials are sometimes allowed by God. They're, they're sometimes the school of training and education that we need to grow and mature. But temptations are not from God. They are from the enemy of our soul. They are a lure that he dangles in front of us that looks good and smells good. And just like a fish that starts swimming after a lure, he wants us to bite that lure and get hooked and then he wants to pull us away from God, and he wants to bring hurt and pain and destruction into our life and into the people's lives around us. And so uh, the devil will make sure that you have an opportunity to be tempted. It's just there's, there is no, will you struggle with temptation? Yes, you will. The, the question is, how are you doing struggling with temptation? I, I think sometimes, you know, hey, are you struggling with temptation? That's a terrible question. Every single one of you are struggling with temptation in something. The question I should be asking is, how are you doing struggling with the temptation you're struggling with? Because all of us will face temptation. The question is, how are we doing in dealing with it? And so the, the second prayer that we need to pray is found in Luke chapter 22, verse 40, and in Luke chapter 22, verse 46. And Jesus says this to his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. He says, there he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. In verse 46, after they didn't do what he asked them to do, he says, hey, why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. So Jesus says, hey, we can pray and those prayers can actually give us the power to not give in to temptation if we will do this. And so just a few things here on this. Uh, number one, we need to recognize the source of temptation. We need to recognize the source of temptation. I, I think sometimes we, we think it's a lot of other things and we just need to know that the devil is the source of temptation. But we also need to know this, the devil didn't make you do it, right? 
The devil did not make you do it. Uh, the devil can tempt you. The devil can make it look attractive. The devil can make it look appealing. But the devil cannot make you sin. The devil cannot make you do this. And, and it was Adam and Eve who chose to sin. And Jesus, in the midst of his temptation, chose not to sin. So temptation is not the struggle. It's what we do with the temptation that is the problem. James chapter 1, verse 13 says it this way. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. So notice that he doesn't say, if you are tempted. He says, when you are tempted. You will be tempted. Not only to tell you that, you already know that because you were probably tempted sometime today or at least yesterday to do something. That temptation is just alive and it's well and it is in the world and Satan will constantly put a lure in front of you to tempt you and draw you away. Now here's what's important. It is not going to be most things. So there are 90% of the temptations and the lures that Satan could drop in front of you, and you could be like, nah, not even a temptation, not even a struggle, not, not even a challenge. It's, it's kind of like if you're a fisherman and you know there are certain bait that like, bass like and certain bait that catfish like and certain bait that other fish like. There's just some bait that you're going to say, not a problem, no issue, no struggle. But there's 5%, 10%. And Satan knows exactly what that is for you. And he will custom make a lure for you. And he will custom craft it in just the right way. And he will drop it in front of you at just the moment when there is a, a struggle or a weakness. And, and he is so good. And he is so sly. And, and he will drop that right in front of you and, and try to lead you away to destroy your life, to pull you away from God and to bring hurt and pain. And so one of the things that can help us is to know the, the path or the process of temptation. And so um, number two there in your notes, just write this, understand the process of temptation. Understand the process of temptation, that um, if you know how it happens, you're better off. And so I just want to kind of coach us up a little bit on, uh, you know, we need to pray for wisdom as we're going through trials and just hold on close to Jesus. But when we face temptation, we can learn some things about how temptation always happens. Because if we know how it happens, we can defend it. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 14 to 15 says, Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us, drag us away, and these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That, I love this, when sin is allowed to grow. What that means is you don't have to allow it to grow. You hear that? It, when it's allowed to grow tells you that you do not have to allow it to grow and lead to death. So write these uh, stages down. We need to expose the devil's plan. The reason is, is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 11 says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. So if we know how he works, we can outsmart him instead of him outsmarting us. So this is just kind of how it works. Number one is temptation. Uh, you cannot get away from temptation. Um, just because you're tempted does not mean you're far away from God. Do not equate temptation with the closeness of your relationship with God. Don't do that. 
Um, because you will all be tempted. We will all be tempted. The level of your temptation does not equate with the level of your spirituality, all right? Jesus himself was tempted. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, and he did not sin. So temptation is not bad, where it turns bad is what we do with that temptation. And when we choose to act on it is when it turns into sin. And so um, just to kind of give you a heads up, as we break this 21 days of prayer and fasting, and as you come out of a season of fasting, uh, for those of you who have participated in this, let me just tell you, you will be tempted in the next week. Satan will come against you because he actually wants to undo the good things that God has done in these last 21 days. And so just anticipate it. Be ready for it. If you have been fasting and God has been doing good things in your heart, just be ready that in this next week he's going to confront you with some temptation. And it's going to be whatever that custom lure is for you. And you know what it is. And it's different for every single person in this room. But whatever that custom lure is for you, that is going to be the temptation that he's going to drop in front of you this week. And just be prepared for it. We're all going to be tempted. And number two, write this down, is second look. This is a, the, the first is when we're just tempted. You know, it's, it's the bird flying over your head. You can't do anything about it. Um, but the next is, is when we kind of start to like dwell on it and we start to let that bird land on our head and start to build a nest in our hair. You can do something about that, right? So when the bird flies over your head, that's temptation. Uh, but when you start to dwell on it, give it a second thought, give it a second look, that's this bird building a nest in your hair. And so this is when you say, well, what would it be like if I drank it? What would it be like if I ate it? What would it be like if I smoked it? What would it be like if I slept with it? What would it be like if I watched it? I participated in it. I took it. I listened to it. Whatever it might be for you, this is where we say, what would that be like? And you start to dwell on it. And you start to think about it. And you start to give it that second look. And when you begin to do that, you're starting to move into sin. James says that we are enticed and we are dragged away when we start taking steps towards what Satan is luring. That's, it's like the, the, the hook and the lure is over there, and, and we're like the fish that starts swimming in that direction. That's, the, that's what's happening. And, and then number three is just the act of sin. The act of sin. This is where we're no longer moving towards it, but this is where we actually bite it. We, we like Adam and Eve, take a bite of the apple. We take a bite of that lure. We, we step into sin and here's what you need to know if you're watching online or if you're here and you're like, well, I'm already there. I'm already in sin. I've already bitten the hook. I, I am, I, I'm on the line and Satan is reeling me in. This is what you need to know. The message to you today is not, hey, you terrible sinner. What are you doing here? You need to get out of here and get your life fixed and then come back in when your life's all put together. That's not the message of the gospel. The gospel is you're in just the right place. You're watching just the right stream. That, that literally when we are broken, when we are full of sin, when we're on the hook, that's when we need to hear the good news and the gospel, that we are saved by faith in Christ alone. And it is when we turn to him and we repent of our sins and we say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Will you, will you work in me? I, I want to turn towards you and away from this, that we not only can be forgiven, 
but we can be given power to overcome those struggles. That's, that's the gospel message. You're not good enough to fix yourself, but he is good enough to fix you, and he is good enough to change you from the inside out. But it starts with repentance, and if we don't repent, then we get to this last stage, and it's the worst stage, and it's death. And James chapter 1, verse 15 says, These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, you don't have to allow it to grow. You can repent. You can stop. You can turn to Jesus and say, I don't want this to grow in my life anymore. Will you do something in me that I can't do? But when you don't repent, when you don't turn to him, it says that it leads and gives birth to death. So there are some sins that you physically die from. But there are many sins where you begin to emotionally die from. You certainly spiritually die. You die in, in finances and relationships. And there are so many different ways that death comes through sin in our lives. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. So, um, in your notes, you can just write this down. We need to learn how to overcome temptation need to learn how to overcome temptation. And um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. By the way, this is the lie Satan will tell you. You're the only one struggling with this. You're the only one who has this challenge. You're the only one who's dealing with this. This is a lie of Satan. There are people all around you who are struggling with different things, but there are people who are struggling with the same things you're struggling with. And, and as long as we stay isolated and alone, we allow Satan to whisper these lies to us. But here's what Scripture tells us. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful, and he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And so this is this prayer, Lord, give me the ability and the power to resist. Help me to find the escape hatch. When, I, when it's happening, Like help me to learn where those are and see them. And so how can we overcome this? This is not in your notes. These are free extras, bonus points, if you will. Just four things really quickly. Number one, avoid the harmful influences. It's a whole lot easier to not take the drink if you don't go to the bar every night at five o'clock, right? If you're struggling with alcohol and you're going to the bar every night at five and you're just you know, hanging out with your friends, it's going to be a lot harder for you to... So just avoid that influence. Uh, this is the whole, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you surround yourself with people who are building you up and encouraging you, then you're going to go in better places than if you surround yourself who are leading you in directions that are actually going to be bad for you. So uh, it is just avoid the temptation, avoid the people, avoid the place, avoid the whatever it might be. Find out where the temptation is and just avoid some of that. Number two, you need to walk the process of temptation back. So if this is the cliff where you die, spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever, this is the cliff. What we all ask is, how close to that cliff can I get? before I fall. Well, that's the dumbest question ever. Don't do that, right? This is the cliff. What you need to do is like this. Like how far away can I get from that cliff? Walk the process back. So this is where you step into sin 
But there was something that happened before that. There was something that happened before that. There was something that happened before that that all started with a thought or a temptation or walk it backwards, find out where it starts, and then deal with it right there because it's always easier to deal with it here than it is to deal with it way over there. So just walk it backwards and deal with it as early as possible. And then counter temptation with God's word. This is what Jesus did. When Jesus was tempted, he countered it with scripture. And, and so he knew God's word. And this is why we need to know God's word. And if you don't like reading, that's okay. Let's get you version on your phone and listen to scripture while you drive. It doesn't matter how you get God's word into your heart and into your mind. If you don't like reading, that's okay. Listen to it. Some people like to read. Some people like to listen. But the truth is, is we all need to have God's word in our heart and in our mind. And so just put it in there somehow. Uh, begin to listen to scripture if you don't want to read it. Uh, so Jesus combated temptation with scripture. And so in order to do that ourselves, we got to know scripture. And then finally, develop some healthy relationships with people around you. Sin flourishes in isolation. Sin and temptation flourish in secrecy. And so just have some people around you who know what you're going through. If there is nobody in your life who knows the temptation that you're struggling with, then you're going to have a harder time struggling with that temptation. The moment you speak the secret, it loses power. The moment you speak hey, I'm really struggling with this. It loses power over you, but it can't lose power until you talk to somebody. Now, here's, here's what you need to know. Don't tell everybody. Everybody doesn't need to know your struggle. That's not even wise. Like, don't go to your small group this week and be like, well, I want to tell you, like, my deepest, darkest secret. That might not be a good idea, and it might be awkward for everybody in the group, all right? But you need to have at least one person who knows everything. You need to have at least one person, ladies, you need to have a lady in your life who knows what you're struggling with and can help you and encourage you and walk with you and hold you accountable. Men, you need to have another man in your life who can help you and encourage you and walk with you because when somebody is in our life walking with us, it loses power. And when it's a secret, it has so much more power in our lives. And so the last is this, the last is this. Uh, don't just try to fight sin. Um, if you do... Uh, you will make it worse. So in other words, we were in 21 days of prayer and fasting. If while you're in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting, you wake up every morning and you go, I'm not going to think about chocolate chip cookies. I'm not going to think about chocolate. Today, I am not going to think about chocolate chip cookies. You know what you're going to think about all day? Chocolate chip cookies. Like, the, the, like it's just the power of your brain. When you say, I'm not going to think about, I'm not going to think about, I'm not going to think about, that's all you can think about. So instead of doing that, just say, I'm going to, I want to wake up this morning, I want to fall in love with Jesus more than I've ever loved Jesus. I, Lord, help me, to, help me to just fall in love with you in, in a greater way. Help me, to, help me to know you, help me to encounter you, help me to experience you. And, and as you do that, listen, listen to what it says in John 14, 15. I love what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you will do as I command. It is a byproduct. Being obedient is a byproduct of just loving Jesus more. And so don't wake up saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Wake up saying, Lord, I want to love you more. I want to grow closer to you. I, I want to I fall in love with you in a greater way than I've ever fallen in love with you. And as you do that, as your love for him grows, it will diminish the temptation that's over here. And you will have power to say no to things that you never thought you'd have power to say no to. And, and you will find escape hatches that are all around you 
because they're available and he will give you the eyes to see them and find them. So I want to pray for us as we close this morning. I know that there are many of us struggling with temptations, struggling with trials, and I just want to pray for you and just uh, pray with me. Father, for those that are here that are dealing with trials and difficulties and hardships and they're going through the school of, of character right now, Lord, I pray that you would give them the wisdom to see the lesson to be learned in the midst of the trial, that you would give them the wisdom to be able to, to see the, the things that you're wanting to shape and mold in them and, and that they would be pliable in your hands, that they would quit trying to run away from the school, but they would sit down and, and they would learn and they would grow and, and they would find joy and positive attitude even in the midst of the trial knowing that you are shaping and molding them. Lord, we just we give you thanks that in the midst of trials, we can be shaped, we can be grown, we can be helped. We give you thanks for that this morning. And so Lord, we give you praise today for walking with us even while we're going through the trials. Lord, for those uh, who are struggling with temptation, which is all of us, Lord, I pray that you would help us to know the, the schemes and the plans of the enemy of our soul. We would be aware of his process and his path. And Lord, that we would just pray right now, Lord, help us to resist. Give us the power to do what we can't do. Help us to find those escape hatches. Help us to, to look for the opportunities and help us to walk it backwards and escape as quickly as possible and not let the bird build a nest in our hair. Lord, help us, to, help us to run from temptation of every sort. Lord, whatever that might be, across the gamut represented in this room and online, I pray that you would give power to your people. And for those who are just in sin all the way right now, and, and they're, they're just looking for how can I get off the hook, and, and I know I'm being drugged, I know I'm being pulled to death and, and I don't want this to grow in me anymore today. I pray that you would help some people repent. Just turn to you and say, Lord, I, I need you. I want you. Maybe it begins by just saying, I want to want you. I, I don't even want you right now, God, but I want to want you. And I, I pray that you would just help them pray that prayer. Just, God, I want to want you. Help me to want you. Help me to be willing to repent. And, and Lord that you would work in hearts and you would work in lives so that they could turn and encounter you and experience your grace and your mercy. And whether that's today or whether that's tomorrow or whether that's in the future, that they would just begin to say, Lord, I, I need you, I want you, or I want to want you. And you would begin to shape and mold. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Lord, we, we lean in to the challenges we're even facing as a church. We, we give you praise and we give you thanks for the hardships and the challenges that we're even facing as a church. We say thank you, Lord, because we know you're shaping us. We know you're molding us. We know you're doing something in us that we can't see and it doesn't make sense, but we know you're good and we know that ultimately we will be better as we begin to say, Lord, give us wisdom to see the lesson. And help us to grow and mature as individuals, as families, and as a church as we say yes to you in greater ways. And we ask all these things 
in your precious and mighty name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's... I don't know if you know this, uh, but you just sang some scripture. We'll jump into this uh, and talk more about this in Revelation. But Revelation chapter 4, verse 10 says, The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. And so when we sing this song, we're, we're singing scripture. And we're just saying, Lord, you are worthy of it all. And, and even as I walk through the trial, you're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my worship. And even as I go through temptations, you are worthy of my trust in you to give me the power to resist and to help me find those escape hatches when they are there. And so go in his peace to pray those two prayers. Lord, give us wisdom as we go through trials. And give us the power to resist temptation. And know that God always answers yes to those two prayers. Go in his peace. You're dismissed. Amen.